Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Ooh, I almost didn't get in there before the music ran out. That was close. That was close. Realized I needed to uh, blow my nose and get some water because, to no one's surprise, there's another cold going through the Vesper's house that time of year. Somebody said something about, you know, having kids in the fall and winter. Um, I don't think that's a good idea. I think having kids this time of year might be a dumb idea. Just loan them out until the illnesses have passed. Well, luckily, it hasn't fully nailed me yet. I got the sore throat, and it's just starting to move into the sinuses so we can get through this show before it really comes in and knocks me for a loop. A loop-de-loop. That's what my brain is doing these days. Well, anyway, uh, welcome to the show, friends, confidants, acquaintances. It's Friday's edition of Fantasy NBA Today. This is your... Week in Review episode of the show. I am Dan Vespris at Dan Vespris over on social media. I know some of you have still not followed me over there. There's a handful of you. I'll get you yet. I bet with my net I can get you yet. I think that's basically a line from the cat in the hat. Uh, please take a moment to go like our trade deadline live show. That link is in the show description we're up to 466. We've stalled out a little bit here. But look, I still got 13 days. So I have all the confidence in the world that we can actually get those last uh, 34 likes. Because I want to get to 500. I'm thinking you guys can probably help me get there. But let's go ahead and let's start talking about some stuff. Um, this is, of course, the weekend Review Show. We'll be covering uh, stories from the past, let's say week, but it's not really a whole week. It's like the last four and five days, basically. So mostly the the midweek, um, because the weekend stuff we've we've more or less handled already. Uh, so let's start with the ads, because that's what everybody wants first, anyway. Ads this week, Jonathan Kaminga, and he's the cover art on this one. I have thoughts on Kaminga, who's just playing out of his mind right now, and like. Look, he's clearly better than Steve Kerr was willing to give him credit for being, even as we recently as like two weeks ago. But he's also not this good. Over the last two weeks, Jonathan Kaminga is number 14 in 9-cad, shooting 10, well, effectively 10 for 15 from the field. Over two weeks, this is, you know, better than Nikola Jokic level field goal positive. I mean, we're like it's it he's gone completely out of his mind. Uh I suppose it depends a little bit on um what site you're using to locate this stuff. But either way, we're talking like, you know, top 20 over these couple of weeks. So I'd be a little bit stupid if I didn't say, yeah, I mean, obviously he needs to be on a roster right now because he's at kind of the apex of hotness. You just don't get hotter than this. 65-81 splits on almost 16 shots of ballgame. He's gone completely nuts. He is out over his skis in defensive stats. 
He's out over his skis by a lot in field goal percent, and he's just like he's gone crazy. And there's been almost no blip. The usage is crazy high. He's coming off a game where he shot 11 of 11 against the Hawks. So, like, again, it just doesn't get any better than that. And he has four steals and two blocks in his last two ball games, but he's not really a big steals or blocks guy. All of that to say, and I know no one's going to want me to hear this, this is actually a sell moment for Kaminga because a lot of people are going to look at this and say, oh, my God, we don't know what we're going to get. The magic of the unknown. Could this dude be, like, a top 25 guy the rest of the year? I'm here to tell you, no. He's not going to be a top 25 guy the rest of the year. For whatever, any number of reasons. You know, the three-point shooting is extraordinary of late. This is a 69% foul shooter who's in the 80s. So he's like a low, he's 51, 52, 53% from the field. So again, like 65 is outstanding, but it's more about the volume that he's doing it on, 15 shots a game. Now in his career, he's 52%, but he's on eight shots per game. So everything going up. Steals, blocks, rebounds. And it's not just because there's been more playing time. He's on a bona fide, lava hot, like surface of the sun type of heater. We don't know exactly what he's going to be in the Warriors offense the rest of the way. It does seem like he's going to be given a bigger role here going forward. I don't think that he's going to go back to what he was before. So grading him on that scale is also not fair. But he's not going to be what he is right now. And if he's going to shoot 65% on extraordinarily high volume, and he's going to have to find a way to get back down into the low 50s, not that he's trying to get there, but that's ultimately what's probably going to happen here, you're looking at some point where there's going to be some pretty high volume and the percentage is going to hurt you. And then you've got both percentages hurting because, again, I don't think he's just magically turned into an 80% or better free throw shooter. The last four to six games might tell a different story. Uh, but the leaps in everything right now are what you point at and go, uh, I question some of this. What could you get back for him? That I don't know. And we it may require some work on social media to figure out what people think he's going to be. But I can pretty much promise, even if you guys are like, nah, Dan, nobody's that excited about it. I can promise you people are excited about Jonathan Kaminga. And for good reason. He's putting up really nice numbers right now. But people are also going to get carried away. It's just the nature of the beast. Even if it's only 20% of people that are getting carried away, that's enough for you to go kick around in your league. That's two or three managers in your league that are probably willing to part with somebody of sustained, reasonable fantasy value. Again, I don't know what that number is going to be. But Jonathan can make both an ad and a sell high at the same time because of how hot he is right now. I threw Draymond Green back on this list again. I don't think that that was necessary, uh, but he's ramping up. You know, he's a, got into like almost normal apologies for the sniffles here. I'm fighting through it uh, in this last ball game. Um, he's on his way in the right direction. I, again, I don't know that he actually stays inside the top 100. In fact, if I had to put a percentage on it, I'd say 30 to 35%, uh, meaning 65 to 70% chance that he falls outside the top 100 and isn't a particularly exciting play. 
but he makes sense in, a, in certain head-to-head builds, such as punt points, which is one you guys know I end up falling into pretty often. He has kind of a weird fantasy profile, which is interesting. And then, again, even if he ends up at like 120, that's still right on the fringe of being startable in most formats. Uh, so I, I don't know that I need to explain this one all that much, but anyway. Uh, Buddy Heald as a starter. Um, you know, a lot of leagues, people were sort of slow to drop him when he moved back to the bench and was horrible. So uh, those folks sort of caught a break here in that he then moved back into the starting lineup when the Pacers traded uh, for Pascal Siakam and some guys got hurt. And so everything sort of was coming up Buddy, uh, meaning... You know, he just he needs to be rostered now. As long as he's starting, Buddy Heald needs to be rostered. When he moves to the bench, we've seen his value tank, but starter iteration Buddy Heald uh, is typically inside the top 80, sometimes with a little upside beyond that if things are breaking right. And uh, so he's a guy that needs to be on rosters. Duh. And then I think that the two new names I got on the list this week, and, and unfortunately, uh, because we do this show on Friday, you know, having Brandon Miller on this list doesn't, really makes sense because he's been very hot for about four games in a row. Uh, So literally a week ago, Friday night, he came back from being hurt for about two and a half ball games, and he's been in Inferno since then. Not Jonathan Kaminga level Inferno, but not all that far behind uh, because he's he had an 11 for 13 shooting game, that one in Minnesota where Charlotte inexplicably beat the Timberwolves. Uh, so obviously this dude is on rosters. His roster number went up from like 35% to 70 over the last seven days. But again, unfortunately, because I do this weekend review show on Fridays, Brandon Miller was quite literally the longest possible time between when he needed to be moved into the ad board and when I was able to officially do this show. Not to say that, like on Monday we came back and I was like, yeah, you we should be added because he had two good games over the weekend, Friday and Saturday last weekend. So it's not like I haven't said he needs to be added, but that's why he's on an ads board where you guys are like, what the hell are you doing, Dan? Why is this dude on an ads board? He's obviously been an ad for a whole week. Well, it's a weekly review show. And then Santi Aldama, who's one that um, requires arguably the longest explanation of this group, even if perhaps we spent more time on Jonathan Kaminga, I talked a bit about Aldama on uh, yesterday's show and the good and the bad of Santi. Now, the good, so we'll start with the good, because these are the reasons that I think he probably should be on rosters. The good is that, for whatever reason, and you know, this is not what I expected, so please try to kind of roll with me on this one. I didn't think Aldama was going to move into a larger role until JJJ started taking days off. So as recently as even like two weeks ago, I was like, eh, I don't know that we need to do anything about this. And then Aldama was hurt for a couple of games in there. And so it kind of bought us some time to think about it. But then over the last week, what we've seen is that the Grizzlies have been kind of moving in his direction regardless of what was going on with JJJ, who currently, by the way, is still playing a bunch and seems like he wants to qualify for various league awards. So keep a very close watch on JJJ's games. He's at 42, needs to play 23 more. And they'll, I mean, they'll game out how he's going to get to that 65. 
and be prepared for it because, you know, contractually it matters and the awards shelf at home, that all matters as well. Okay, but back to Santi Aldama. The reason that I'm much higher on him right now than I was even one week ago is basically because of the Grizzlies' last ball game. And I know what you're thinking. Aldama didn't even play in that game. You're right. He didn't play in that game. But you know who did? Xavier Tillman. And you know who got crap minutes in that game? Xavier Tillman. So even though Bismarck Biombo got released weeks ago and Aldama's out, Tillman still didn't play that much against a relatively strong Miami Heat front court. The Grizzlies were willing to go very small. Not very small. I guess JJJ can play center, but he's not what you'd call kind of a traditional one. He's not a particularly good rebounder. They were willing to go JJJ at center for most of a game against Bam Adebayo. That tells me that right now Xavier Tillman is an afterthought. He's a guy they're going to use only in games. It seems like, at least, that's kind of the, the, the hand-tipping that the Grizzlies are doing right now. The hand-tipping suggests they're kind of saving uh, Tillman for specific matchups. And prior to getting hurt, Aldama was on his way to playing 30 minutes in that ballgame. Not the most recent one, the one two games back. So it seems like they want to run some JJJ at center. Aldama lineups at power forward, and that's what's been... I mean, that was the starting lineup before Aldama took a shot to the knee and now has had to miss a little bit of time. And that's why my position has changed on this. Because, I, you know, as recently, again, as a week ago, I thought, eh, Tillman, Aldama, these guys are going to be fighting for minutes around JJJ. And then all of a sudden, the Grizzlies are like, you know what, JJ, J, it's the third one. Trip, call him Trip if we want to speed this up. Jackson, that's also relatively quick. You go ahead, you play center. We're gonna we're gonna try Aldama at the four. Let's see what happens. And because they're in this let's see what happens mode, I'm also in let's see what happens mode. They've put me in it. And when Aldama gets 28 minutes, 30 minutes or more, he tends to put up pretty intriguing, well-rounded fantasy lines. The question mark, see, now we got to get into the bad. The bad with Aldama is that his percentages are not very good. They were not break you numbers last year. He was at 47 from the field and 75 at the free throw line. Those numbers are acceptable if he's going to play starters level minutes because with starters minutes and all the usage that comes with them in a, a lineup or a team that doesn't have John Morant, Marcus Smart, or Desmond Bain, I mean, or Steven Adams, but that's the whole damn year at this point. There are a lot of shots to go around. So in addition to just minutes, there are more shots on the Grizzlies this year in starters minutes than he had at any point last year. And that's why you've, and you've seen it. You know, last year he played 22 minutes a game, took about seven shots. This year he's at 23 minutes a game. He's only playing about a minute and 20 seconds more but he's taking two extra shots. So the usage is way up. Problem is, percentages are way down. He's at 43% from the field, 62% at the free throw line. Those will hurt you more than his other stuff helps. But I'm willing to take a shot that Aldama can creep back towards his numbers last year, 
in percentages from an efficiency standpoint, that he can get back into the 70s at the foul line and he can get back into the mid to high 40s from the field because then they're not so bad that they're impossible to overcome. 43-62 splits are impossible to overcome. Almost no matter what he does in counting stats, those percentages will be so bad that he'd be a net negative. But if he can get up to 47-75, and then you start to look at the counting numbers, 28-29 minutes, you're talking about a dozen shots ballgame in that kind of play right now. Possibly more, depending on who's up right around him. Uh, so now you're talking about 14, 15 points. You're talking about seven rebounds. You're talking about two and a half assists. You're talking about over a steal and over a block a ball game. You're talking about possibly two three-pointers a night. That's enough to overcome 47-75 splits. It's not enough to overcome 43-62 splits. But I'm willing to take a shot on Aldama in the hopes that he can creep back towards last year's efficiency numbers because I do think the opportunity numbers this year are in the right spot. All right, let's move on from ads to holds. We tend to go a little faster once we get past the ads board. The holds this week, Aaron Neesmith, who came back and looked real good uh, in yesterday's ballgame. I think he played in the previous one as well. And Honestly, I, I think he actually is in a better position when Halliburton is there even if it means an, you know one less, two less shots or whatever, but just to have a point guard that's going to get him the ball in the right spot. And I love his hustle stats. Dennis Schroeder is yeah, kind of on my my poop list right now. And he kind of, Okay, so look, he kind of has been on my poop list all year. I felt very dumb that I thought I had completely whiffed on Schroeder. I feel way less dumb now. And he's been very much falling like a boulder, almost since the first four or five weeks of the season. He got off to that super hot start. He's down at 117 on the year now. He's been outside the top 200 for the last two weeks. I don't know that he's coming back on a Toronto team that's moving a little bit more towards a rebuild now. Could Schroeder even potentially be on the block? Now, he's, not a, he's not a rebuild level guy. Uh, and wherever he goes is probably not going to be a uh, you know, the prime scoring guard. So, look, he's a hold right now, but I could have very easily put him in the I'm nervous list, and I wouldn't think twice about it. Derek Lively is a hold, at least as long as the Mavs don't have, uh, don't pick up a center at the trade deadline. I know he's splitting minutes with Maxi Kleba now, but Lively's the guy that can put up fantasy stats quicker. Max Struess probably doesn't need to be on this board right now. He's been much better the last week since he's uh, starting to find his shot again. Struess inside the top 100. Uh, hasn't had to take that many shots. He's been in, The Cavs have been in a bunch of blowouts, so his minutes are at 27 instead of 33 or 34. Uh, but the percentages have improved over his last three ball games, and that puts him firmly back in start mode. Trey Jones is a hold because he was playing really well before getting hurt. Jonas Valanciunas is a hold. I don't think you guys need to be told that, but I did it anyway. And now here are a couple of tougher names blended in. Cam Johnson is a very hard hold right now. He's been bad. He looks confused. He looks like he's not really part of what's going on. The good news is that even while he's been terrible, he's still sort of sitting in that 130 range, typically, uh, because he hits three-pointers. That's, like, the reasoning for it. But he's not shooting well. He's only getting 25 minutes a game. He's a hold at least through the trade deadline because if the Nets moved in Witty or whoever, whatever it might be, Royce O'Neal and Dorian Finney-Smith, these guys are all on the block. 
Johnson would almost have no choice but to log some more minutes at a slightly larger position on the court. Mostly because I don't believe that Ben Simmons is going to come back and be a factor. If you do, congratulations. You and I disagree on that. So hold Cam Johnson at least through the trade deadline. Holding Walker Kessler, I don't know that this one really needed to be said because he's blocking a bazillion shots at a time right now. But his minutes are also uh, continue to bounce all around. And, you know, if he has a particularly bad free throw week, then, you know, he's not a top 100 guy. And if he doesn't take that many free throws, then he very much is. He's hovering in the 70s for the year, which is not at all what we wanted out of Kessler. But he's very much a start every day. So don't even really think about it too much. Dante DiVincenzo had a couple of quieter ball games, and then he came back and had a better one the last time out, so I probably didn't need to have him on this board, but he has slowed. He's outside the top 150 over the last two weeks because he's shooting 41% from the field and 63 at the free throw line. That's the fear with him, but the per-minute production continues to be much better this year than expected, so presumably, you know, the percentages will bounce around. Hopefully they level off to something not too terrible. It's kind of like the same wing in a prayer we have with Santi Aldama. Uh, so I'll stick with DiVincenzo a little bit longer here. But again, not indefinite. I, I still have medium-sized doubts that he can keep up the per-minute pace he's had this year. And if that falls off, then it's just sort of not enough to justify a roster spot. But for the moment, they haven't fallen off. Just the percentages here lately, and those will bounce around a little bit. And then Trey Murphy is the other name on the holds board. He is outside the top 200 over the last two weeks because he's shooting 36% from the field and two out of three every night from the free throw line. We know that's not going to stick. I get it. And it's hard for me to do this particular show because uh, last year I took so much heat for being low on Trey Murphy from a fantasy standpoint. And it wasn't even low. That's not even fair. Last year I took heat because I said Trey Murphy needs to be started, but be aware that I believe he's an injury fill-in type of player. Not to say that, like, he's not good, but just because last year he had all that extra usage with big names out. This year the big names are in, so his usage is much lower and that's why he's hovering in that 100 to 130 range most of the time, because he just doesn't have the wiggle room he had last year. And I tried to say this all of last season, and you guys all killed me for it. But now this year, I have to argue the opposite side, which, you know, a lot of like, everybody's coming at me, they're like, oh, he's too boring this year. I'm like, yeah, I tried to tell you this, but also boring Trey Murphy is still just Barely good enough to start most days. You know he's not going to be 36-67 splits. He's a good percentages guy. Hold strong. He is startable in most formats, probably in that 95 to 125 range. But if that doesn't do it for you, then I guess I get it. But, you know, competitive 12-teamer, that should be good enough. The I'm scared or nervous list. Brandon Pajemski, I think, can be dropped. I don't think there's enough for him to do on the Warriors right now. Jalen Suggs, probably droppable. It's not a guarantee that he doesn't kind of get it going again at some point, but we're talking about a lot of weeks in a row now where he's been just not a fantasy asset, you know, 170 or deeper in 9-cat over the last month, basically. 
And I don't know that I see it turning around unless the steals come roaring back, but they've definitely petered out as the energy has petered out. And unless he gets a big boost, which maybe he does after the All-Star break, everybody gets a week to sort of chill and get their juices back. But right now, he ain't got no juice. And so I think you can probably move on from Suggs. Spencer Dinwiddie is one that I know you guys are going to level me about, but I don't care uh, because, look, I get it. He scores and he gets assists sometimes. But overall, in my eyes, he's not a top 120 or better nine-category dude. And we know he's on the block, so he could end up in a place where his role gets smaller. You don't have to drop if you don't want. You can keep him. You know, this is a board that I've called the I'm scared or the drop board. And you can call Dinwiddie the I'm scared if you prefer. I personally am fine with dropping him. You're going to look up and you're going to see him have a 17 and 8 game at some point and go, oh, no, what did I, why did I do this? But then you're going to look deeper and you're going to be like, oh, no steals, no blocks, 41% from the field. No, wait a minute, that's 38% from the field. Oh, yeah, I was hoping his free throws would be better here, but he went uh, he went four for six, the foul line in this game. I just didn't. Yeah, so that's the thing. Spencer Dinwiddie is like the ultimate if you look between the lines kind of player. You understand why he makes more sense on the points league side and why 9-cat tends to be kind of hard for him. But the reason I don't know that, so like, the reason I've got him sort of tipped between drop and I'm scared nervous is what if the Nets don't trade Dinwiddie, but they do move Royce O'Neal or Finney Smith, or what if they move Cam Thomas or something like that, a surprise move? What if Ben Simmons never steps foot back on a basketball court again? Then there's a possible path for him to sort of weave his way into that 100 to 120 range, and then he'd be nine-cat startable, but barely. And Xavier Tillman is the last name on the drops board because it seems like the Grizzlies are just deploying him in very specific moments, and that's definitely not enough of a reason to roster someone in fantasy. Hey, this is a great opportunity in the middle of the show to remind you guys of our continued partnership with the great folks over at Believe Sports. Thank you to the uh, the Believe team for partnering with us. But also to go drop a like, to go drop a thumbs up on our trade deadline live show on this show as well. Would also be sweet if you guys could do that. Um and I want to get to 500 on that trade deadline show, but also to subscribe, no matter how you're taking in the content right now. No matter how you're taking in the content, please subscribe. iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, Twitter. I don't think you can do it on Twitter. Whatever it is you're using to listen to the show, some any number of names of other RSS feeds that you can pick up, please subscribe. And drop a review if you have an extra 50, 60 seconds. It really does all mean a lot and go a long way. Uh, but more than anything, I want to get to 500 likes on that trade deadline show. That's the one that I'm really keyed in on right now i'm keyed up and i'm keyed in and check out our buddies over at manscaped.com promo code there is ethos 20 to get 20 percent off and free shipping on your order they just sent me some stuff i can talk about in february let's see what do they want me talking about for the super bowl let me read some stuff it's time for the ultimate face-off the beard bowl is here as the two best teams square off to see who the champion of facial fuzz is, our friends at Manscaped are prepping everything you need for game day. Manscaped's Beard Hedger Pro Kit is the MVP of facial grooming. I like that this is all about facial grooming. I don't have to get gross with it. Precision trimming, water-resistant technology, and enough styling options to outplay any opponent. And guess what? You can join the winning team along with the 10 million men who already trust Manscaped. 
and use our special code ethos20 for 20% off and free shipping on your order. Craft your winning look with manscaped.com. That's ethos20 for 20% off and free shipping on your order at manscaped.com. Gear up for the real halftime show where your beard takes center stage. Well, that was nice and clean. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that very much. Here's a couple of watch list names. I don't know how Santi Aldama got on here. You guys can watch me take him off the watch list in real time. He's a guy that I'm willing to, again, say is just an ad. The other watch list names are Andrew Wiggins, uh, because you never know. Yeah, and I think he was actually kind of decent yesterday, but the Kings defense helps with that. Larry Nance Jr. You know what? I screwed up this watch list in a bunch of places. Kelly Oubre Jr. is not a watch list guy. He's an injury replacement. Larry Nance Jr. is on the watch list. Um, you know, I, I've played him in a couple of spots. I, it's risky because he could just vanish for a game. But it does seem like if you give him a week, two weeks, or whatever, 20 to 24 minutes a night, he's in that 100 range, which is playable. John Collins is back to being a watch list guy. He's cleared 30 minutes two times in the Jazz last six ball games, which generally is not enough. But his permanent numbers are up the last two to three weeks. I don't know that I believe this is a thing that's going to hold all the way through. But I'll give John Collins a little bit of credit because he's doing more in his time on the court, which wasn't the case in November or December. Uh, again, I also don't know that it's going to stick. That's why he's a watch list guy and not a, an ad. Just like his teammate, Kelly Olynyk, also on the watch list because he too is putting up really nice per minute numbers. But the minutes, you know, this is a math problem. If you do... If you have good numbers per minute, you have to multiply that by number of minutes. And if the minutes are not high enough, then the overall result is not high enough. So I don't think you need to add these guys. Harrison Barnes is on a two-game heater for the ages. And at some point, he's going to completely collapse because he had done nothing for like three months prior to this. It came out of nowhere. Jared Vanderbilt is an interesting watch list name. At least of all the names I've had on here so far, I think Vanderbilt is the one that I'm really most interested in watching because it does kind of feel like he finally has his legs under him, meaning does he get enough minutes to get basically enough rebounds and steals to be a fantasy nine-cat guy? Because he's not going to score very much. His three-point shot is a clanker. Um, he'll pass a little bit because uh, Lakers have been using him to kind of flash towards the key when defenders are not paying attention to him but his value comes in rebounds and steals so there has to be enough minutes and there has to be enough opportunity for that so watch list him but he's very much been better and uh, we'll kind of see how the Lakers deploy him over, over the next two to three games and make a call there and then Jeremy Sohan who had a couple of really nice ball games he was hot for about four or five games in a row cooled off a lot in this Spurs last one um, he's a watch list guy for me. He's a points league darling when he plays enough. His nine-cat game is bleh. And that's what we generally talk about on this show. Here's the stream while warm list. I don't know if I add... Oh, I added Herb Jones to it. That's the only... Uh, but Herb, you could actually play nightly these days. There have been enough of those big one-off games that he's been playable throughout. But I, I really feel like... You know, he's someone, Herb Jones we're talking about, I think he's someone you could try to get cute with because he's very much a boomer bust. It's the Danny Green phenomenon where Danny Green would have an eight three-pointer game and uh, two steals and four blocks, 
and then he'd get nothing for three games in a row. And people were like, what am I doing here? And usually the result was like, look, just look back at the end of the month. Was it fine over a month? And the answer with Danny Green for so many years was, yes, he was good for the month. It was wild inconsistency throughout. And if you tried to get cute with it, you screwed it up. You played him on the day where he was terrible, and you missed the day where he had his giant mega game. And that kind of feels like what we're getting out of Herb Jones, as long as Trey Murphy is healthy. Now, when Trey is out, Herb is an easy play every day. But when Murphy is healthy, Herb Jones has these one or two or three very quiet games, and then explosion. Or when Trey sits out, then it's explosion. And overall, over the last three, four weeks, there have been enough of those explosion days, for whatever reason, that Herb is, I think, top 80 over that month. But if you look at the game by game, you're like, oh no, oh no, oh no, hell yeah, oh no, oh no, hell yeah. How do we figure out when it happens? Well, you again, Roto, you could get super cute playing when somebody's out. But technically, head-to-head, you could play him every day, and it would be okay. The other names on this list remain unchanged. Bobby Portis, Nas Reed, Cole Anthony, Kevin Love, Denny Avdia, Jordan Clarkson, R.J. Barrett, and Kevin Herter are the catch him on a heater guys. It's not a slight. These are just guys that run extremely hot and extremely cold. And Herter, I think, is top 75 over the last three weeks, so go for it. R.J. Barrett's been very hot since the trade for the most part. Jordan Clarkson's been very hot of late. Had a few rough ones mixed in there. Kevin Love could probably come off this list because he's had a stomach ailment lately. I think he was like almost thrown up on the court two games back. Yucky. Denny Avdi has been real good for a couple weeks in a row now. He had that big start to the year, and then he cooled off for a whole month. Cole Anthony's been awful for almost a month and a half now. That's who these guys are. They run hot and cold. And as you can see, as this list continues to grow, you know, they're not they're not alone. Here's the current injury replacement board as things stand uh, as of Friday morning, and obviously we'll get more news every hour here over the next few days. Uh, Joel Embiid tweaked a knee. If he sits out any games, Paul Reed and Kelly Oubre Jr. would be usable. Cade Cunningham is very close until we get word that he's back. Jaden Ivey and Alec Burks are your fill-ins there. Kristaps uh, Porzingis turned an ankle, so Al Horford may have a uh, more than one game window, perhaps. We'll see. Karis LeVert for Darius Garland, Sadiq Bey for DeAndre Hunter, slash Trey Young these days. Nick Richards for Mark Williams, Malcolm Brogdon for Shaden Sharp, Vince Williams, and when healthy, Luke Kennard for Bain and Smart, John Conchar for Luke Kennard, who missed the last ball game. It's a Russian nesting doll of fantasy fill-ins here. Tim Hardaway Jr. for Kyrie Irving. And uh, Russell Westbrook is your flyer at the end of this list for Ivica Zubats. And a reminder on some possible... Possible? Yes, that's right. We're doing the rest of this show as Sean Connery. Or Daryl Hammond's impersonation of Sean Connery on Celebrity Jeopardy. Which, still to this day, one of my favorite Saturday Night Live skits of all time. I'll take swords for 400. Uh, stash names that I'm looking at right now, and this is this sort of fluc- in flux for me. It changes daily. Um, the names that have been there throughout, Onyeka Okongwu, um, Bilal Kulabali has been there throughout. Gary Trent Jr. is a, a strong maybe. <laughs> Meh. 
Oscar Thompson, um, who to me may be more of a silly season guy. These are dudes that have been kind of sticking throughout. Names that have come and gone a little bit. Anyway, the, the other ones that I've got on the list right now, I think Marvin Bagley uh, deserves to be a stash because Daniel Gafford is a possibility to, to be traded. Danny Smith Jr., if Spencer Dinwiddie gets moved. DeAndre Hunter, I think, would move from uh, like king of the streamer value to startable if indeed he gets back healthy and DeJounte Murray gets traded. Clearly, I actually think two guys need to get traded in Washington because he not only needs the minutes, but he also needs usage. Jabari Walker, to me, he's close in Portland, but I think he needs Jeremy Grant to get moved. Gary Trent probably needs Dennis Schroeder and Bruce Brown to get out of the way because he needs both the minutes and the shots. And then Io DeSumo is the... Uh, he and Marvin Bagley are the latest additions to the list. Io's looked really good for the Bulls lately with uh, Zach Levine out. Let's say Levine gets traded here at the deadline. My question, of course, is who comes back, if anyone... And then, is there a possibility the Bulls move both Levine and Alex Caruso? Because that would really unlock Io. That's what you'd need there. Tazumu is borderline with just Levine out. You move one more guy out of the way, and then it's go time. And I hope, I mean, I, you guys know I love Alex Caruso so, so very much. I really hope somebody unloads the piggy bank for Caruso. Because he is the kind of guy that can push a near contending team to be a contender. He's just so good. And he's kind of fixed his three point shot this year too, man. Love me some Caruso. All right. That is effectively your weekend review show. I don't see a reason to stretch it out all that much longer here. Right. Didn't we basically cover everything? Let me quickly check the chat room. See if anybody has a name they brought up that I forgot to bring up on the show. This is my, uh, what did I forget? Is Marcus Smart worth a stash? Nah. Roto, yes. Head-to-head. Honestly, I think you're going to need that IL spot for somebody else. But if you have, like, you know, Yahoo Public Leagues where you've got three IL spots for a 13-roster league, then sure, why the hell not? But that's, again, very slot-dependent. Uh, Austin Reeves. The question is, would you trade for or away Austin Reeves? Um, I, 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 I don't think he's going anywhere. Um, he is a good percentages dude who doesn't get much defensively. Um, he'll generally hover in that like 15, four and five neighborhood, which should keep him kind of just inside the top 100. And, you know, I don't know that that's something you need to necessarily trade for or against. He's useful. He's a start in every format. Um, but he's not going to blow the roof off the building unless a superstar goes down for the Lakers. Heaven forbid. What else we got here? Um, should I add Jalen Green or Draymond Green in a category league? It's going to be Draymond there. If it's points, it's Jalen Green, but category... Uh, it is Draymond. Should I drop Cam Johnson for Santi Aldama? Eight cat? No, I would continue to hold Cam. Uh, again, you know, you move one power forward out of the way in Brooklyn, and they almost have no choice but to give him an extra two or three minutes. You move all the power forwards out of the way, and all of a sudden he's back to doing stuff. And we saw how good he can be when he's actually feeling confident, which you know, just sort of isn't right now. Uh, is Markel Fultz a watch list candidate? Yeah, I mean, I guess so. He's a very difficult play in head-to-head because he's going to sit every back-to-back. 
Um, and I don't, I'm lower on faults, I think, than most fantasy analysts. I don't think he gets inside the top 100. So for Games Cap Roto, that's uh, probably not going to be good enough. Yep, that's it. Okay. 40 minutes and we out. That's cool. Efficiency. I really still want to do a buy low show. I don't have any idea when I'm going to find the time to do it. Just know that I want. Just know that the the you know, the desire is there even if perhaps the execution is not. Um, thank you again for watching, everybody, or listening, however you guys are taking in the show. I am Dan Bespris, the host of Fantasy NBA Today. Again, 13 days, the countdown to our trade deadline live show. Please come and uh, hit a thumbs up on that. Follow on Twitter. Uh, follow sportsethos.com on Twitter. is at ethosfantasybk. Have a marvelous and magical Friday and weekend, and hopefully I'll talk to you guys before Monday because that would mean I'm uh, getting to do one of these specialty shows that I keep thinking about trying to do um at some point we'll probably have one more stash thing going on but in the meantime we'll uh, we'll take care of all that stuff over on the social side like rate subscribe on your way out i will talk to you all soon goodbye You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.